pray that you'd bless the preacher song of that old hymn. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word uh, tonight, uh, somewhat of a pastoral message for the church family, uh, Lord, with simple instruction, a simple reminder of the word of God, and I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit as I preach, help us to listen, listen on purpose, to listen with the hunger, Lord, that we may receive what you have for us, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Verse number 13 is our text verse. If you look at the top of your Bible, sometimes there is a heading that is not a part of the scripture. It's just a, it's added to give us an idea of what that passage of scripture is talking about. And uh, the top of my Bible, as I mentioned this morning, a Cambridge, Oxford, a Cambridge a wide margin Bible is what I use and have uh, all of the years of preaching. It says, uh, exhortation to holiness, exhortation to holiness. And there are several single uh, statements of instruction. I want us to look tonight at verse number 13 where the Bible says, forbearing one another. And that means to give one another space, uh, uh, one another not to be offended at everything someone says or does. And then going one step further and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any. And then he says this statement, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Christmas is about forgiveness. Christ came uh, that he would pay for our sin and offer to us the forgiveness of our sin. How wonderful it is that he not only forgave us, he paid the price for our debt against him. He not only paid us, he gave us the payment to make the payment for the wrong that we had committed against him. I ask you tonight, are you glad that you're forgiven by the good grace of God uh, for your sin? I'm glad that in heaven, uh, on my account, there are no sins recorded. However, there are, there, uh, there are things that are recorded uh, on my record. Every act of righteousness that Christ did, I don't deserve it, but it's on my account. He paid the price that I owed to him for my sin against him. Acts chapter 13, the Bible says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Acts chapter 26, verse number 18, To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 17, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, as wonderful as his love is, as wonderful as his forgiveness is to me, the command after this is one of the most difficult commands in all of the word of God to obey, 
For after he talks about him forgiving me, he says, forgive others, forgive others as he has forgiven us. This goes for brother and sister in a family. This goes for a brother and sister in Christ. This was given for the home and marriage. This was given for the workplace, the place of education. This was given for the local church. If we work together and we serve together, there are going to be times that we will have to be forbearing with one another and sometimes forgiving of one another. Are you with me tonight? There are some amazing stories of this kind of forgiveness throughout the Word of God. I want to remind you of a few of those tonight. Without you turning to it, I'll just give you the reference, Genesis chapter 33, specifically the verses of verse 4 through 11. We have the amazing story of Esau's forgiveness of Jacob, his own brother, for stealing his birthright. Without going through the details of the story, Jacob had done Esau terribly wrong. I mean terribly wrong. And Esau forgave him. That story is recorded in Genesis chapter 33. Uh, there's a multitude of stories of forgiveness, but God chose uh, to let us know about Jacob and his mistreatment of his brother and how Esau forgave him. In fact, Jacob gave him a great gift, and Esau said, I, I don't want that, I don't need that. He said, I want you to have it. I, I want you to know that it will help me to know if you would receive this gift. But the beautiful story of the forgiveness is given in chapter 33 of Genesis. We come to chapter 50 and we find yet another amazing story of forgiveness. You know the story of how Joseph's brothers hated him. They made his life difficult. They talked about getting rid of him. They even went so far as to say out loud uh, to kill uh, Joseph, uh, uh, to take his life. And you know what they did instead? They sold him as a slave and, and uh, they, they mistreated him. Uh, they let their father believe that Joseph had been killed uh, by wild animals. That's what they let their father believe. How sad to think fellows could be so cruel that it didn't bother them for their father to weep over a son that he loved so very much and the, the cruel hearts of their brothers. But you come to Genesis chapter 50 and Joseph forgave his brothers. In fact, he saw their treatment as God allowing that to happen to fulfill God's will in his life. He said, you meant it for evil. But he said, God used it for good. An amazing story of forgiveness. When God forgave King David, a wonderful and amazing man, of this terrible sin of adultery, thievery, and murder. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse number 13, the Bible says this, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Uh, that was given to remind us that God loves us and there is 
two parts of our relationship with God. There is the relationship of becoming a son or a child of God. Then there is the relationship of fellowship with the Father. Now, while fellowship can be broken, the relationship can never be changed. I may be a prodigal son, but I'll always be a son. But the fellowship can be broken. I'm glad that he not only forgave me of my sin to make me his son, but he's willing to forgive me of my failures to keep our fellowship sweet and to keep it close. How wonderful it is. God dealt with the sin. Nathan pointed out the sin of David to his face. David confessed his sin and God forgave him. This book right here is a book of forgiveness. A book of forgiveness. God spared the people in the city of Nineveh. Several hundred thousand people, perhaps the most wicked city in the world. If you compared Nineveh to Sodom and Gomorrah, you would find two types, two different types of sin. Sodom is known for its sodomy, uh, for its uh, homosexuality, for that type of immoral behavior. And they were destroyed because there were not ten righteous people in that city. There should have been because of Lot and his family, but there was not. But you come to the city of Nineveh. Nineveh hated people that believed in God. I mean, they didn't just martyr, they tortured anyone that believed in God. It is said that they filleted alive. As you would fillet a fish, as you would cut the, uh, cut the meat off a fish, that they would kill. No wonder Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh and preach. They were a wicked people. But, no, uh, but Jonah went in and he said, I have a message to deliver that judgment is going to come in 40 days. The king fell on his face to the earth. He covered himself in sackcloth and ashes and they began to repent because of the power of God that must have fallen on that city. And the greatest revival recorded in history is the story in Jonah when Jonah preached to Nineveh. What an amazing story of God's forgiveness of those people. That's why I said it's difficult then when you come not only to the joy of forgiveness, the application when he tells me to forgive as Christ forgave. In John chapter 8, a woman is taken in adultery. The woman was caught in the company of more than one witness when she was presented before Christ with the law, the law said she should have been stoned to death. And Jesus said, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first, uh, the first stone. What a beautiful picture of God's forgiveness of our sin. By the way, there are no good sinners. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. None of us have any room for pride in self. None of us have any room to say, I'm glad I'm not that kind of a sinner. There's only one kind of sinner, and that's those that have sinned against God and are headed for hell, and they have no hope, they have no help. That's all of us, but Christ came and paid our sin debt for us and forgave us. Now, friend, 
that becomes a tough challenge when I'm to forgive as Christ forgave. Matthew chapter 18 is an amazing story of forgiveness and yet is an example of so many times Christians who have been forgiven of a great and terrible debt of sin and yet are unforgiving of even the smallest things of another. For in this parable a man is brought before uh, his master and uh, he had a great debt and he told him uh, the debt is due and uh, I want payment today. And he told him, he said, I, I don't have the ability to pay. I beg your mercy. I ask you please to forgive me. Give me time to pay. The amount was large. And the master said, uh, you're forgiven. And he gave him time to make a payment. He went out and found a man that owed him just a penny compared to a great debt. Just a small amount compared to a great debt. And he said to him, you have to pay me. And his friend said, I'm not able to pay. Can you grant me some forgiveness? Can you, can you give me some mercy? He said, absolutely not. And the Lord Jesus used that parable to say to you and I, you better be careful about accepting the forgiveness of God and then being unkind and unforgiving to others. Matthew 18, 21 through 35. In Luke 15, we have two sons that serve their father. Evidently, these, these young men have served their father well. Both have an inheritance. One takes his inheritance. He leaves. He wastes all that he has on riotous living. The love of the father for the son is a picture of the love that God has for us and the love that we should have for one another. Folks, if you and I are quick to be critical of a brother, that means we are absent of the love that we should have for a brother, the love that we ought to have from Christ to others. I'm preaching to us tonight. You know the story, the father waited and longed for his son to return. It's evident in the story. The, the calf is prepared for a feast for when his boy came home. The robe and the ring and the shoes were all there. They were all ready. You know the story. When he saw his son a great way off, he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And when he came home, he came home rejoicing. And this, my son, was lost, is found, was dead, is alive. And everybody rejoiced. But the one son did not have that forgiveness in his heart. Oh, God, help us tonight to have the love of Christ. And I can't have the love of Christ unless I study to know what the love of Christ is. Then the Holy Spirit can help me with the love that Christ has for me and the forgiveness that he has for me with the many stories and illustrations and examples. And the Holy Spirit can say, this is the love you're supposed to have for one another. After Acts chapter 8, Paul's testimony was a testimony of forgiveness. Philemon is that little book in the Bible of a story of a slave, of a servant who ran away from his master Onesimus and evidently stole from his master. He met not only Paul, he met somebody far more important than Paul in jail. He met Christ. 
He learned the forgiveness of Christ. Paul wrote a letter on behalf of Philemon asking his master uh, to forgive him. Yet another story, yet another example that the Holy Spirit can use in my life when it comes to time of forbearing one another, when it comes time to forgiving others. Folks, we don't have time in this life to be filled with hatred and bitterness. We don't have time to waste. Uh, we don't have time to give uh, to bitterness. We need to be a Christian that has a spirit of forbearing and a spirit of forgiveness. Take your Bibles and go with me quickly to the Psalms. Let's look at three verses in the Psalm. There's a multitude of verses we could look at and I've already mentioned 15 verses. Psalm 32 verse number 5. Psalm 32 verse number 5. Psalm 32, 5, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. And then we have that musical term, selah, that means think about that or think on this. He forgave me of my sin. Psalm 103, Psalm 103, notice if you will in verse number 11. Psalm 103, notice if you will in verse number 11. Let's look at verse number 11 and 12. For as the heaven is high above the earth. Psalm 103, 11, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west. So far hath he removed our transgression from us. Hallelujah. Psalm 130, please, Psalm number 130, and I want you to look at verse number 3. Psalm 130, and look at verse number 3. Psalm 130, verse number 3, the Bible says, If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? If you put my failures, if you put my sins, my sins of omission, my sins of commission, if you were to put them on my account, O Lord, who shall stand? Verse number four. But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. I want to take ten minutes now and tell you what forgiveness does. How forgiveness behaves. What forgiveness is. Listen quickly to six statements. The first will take most of the time. When I forgive, I'm giving the revenge and justice to God. When I forgive, I'm saying, God, I'm going to let you take care of that problem. Now, I'm going to give you several verses in just a moment. But these will encourage you and these will encourage you in the matter of forgiveness. Because our flesh always wants to get even and maybe a little bit of profit. Am I right? But the Bible tells me that I don't have to worry about settling the score. That God always settles the score. God is a God of vengeance and he makes things just. Even when I don't see it, even when I don't recognize it. Sometimes we want God to judge in a way that's visible. Sometimes we read in the Bible of those that were judged visibly. You read through the scripture and there are some nauseating accounts of those that were sick 
because of their sin or because of their crime, because of their wrongdoing. And sometimes we think that God ought to strike them with leprosy like he did Miriam. Ah, but dear friend, those that have lost the joy and the peace and the happiness of their soul, I think I'd rather deal with a physical infirmity than lose my joy, than lose my happiness, than lose my fellowship with God. Oh, listen to me. God is a God that takes care of getting even. We don't need to get even. We need to forgive and go on with the will of God. That's what Joseph did for his brothers. That's what the father of the prodigal son did. That's what Esau did for Jacob. Esau didn't even want the payment that Jacob should have given to him and did. He didn't want it because God is the one that gives vengeance. Let me just give you some of these verses. Romans 12, 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. It is written means that this is an old law going all the way back to the Old Testament. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. Let God take care of it. Ezekiel 25, 17, and I will execute great vengeance upon them with furious rebukes, and they shall know that I am the Lord, and I shall lay my vengeance upon them. Hebrews 10, 30, for we know him that hath said, vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again, the Lord shall judge his people. Leviticus 19, 18, thou shalt not avenge, nor bear any grudge, don't carry a grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Romans 13, 4, for he's a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he's the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Deuteronomy 32, 35, to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand. And the things that shall come upon them make haste. In Psalm 94, the psalmist was anxious. He encouraged God to hurry up in vengeance as he said in Psalm 94, 1, O Lord God to whom vengeance belongeth, O God to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself. David of, of Saul, when Saul was attempting to kill David, 1 Samuel 24, 12, the Lord judge between me and thee and the Lord avenge me of thee. But my hand shall not be upon thee. Now, if God's going to take care of it, I don't need to. I don't have the ability to be just. I don't have the ability to be fair. I don't have that ability. My, my, my nature is a fallen nature. God said, you trust me with that. And forgiving someone is saying, okay, I'm going to put that in God's hand. I'm going to let God take care of that. Second of all, forgiveness is giving my pain of the wrong to God. If we went to Isaiah 53, we would find the Bible said, Surely he hath borne our grief and carried our sorrow. Take your pain, give it to God. The Lord Jesus bore our pains on Calvary. Think of this. 
He bore our pain and suffering already. And Christ bore more unjust suffering than anyone has ever imagined to bear. You ever felt bad and maybe you had a toothache or maybe you had a backache, maybe you had arthritis working on you and you had something that was really bothering you, but you talked to someone who had a sickness that was very serious, you didn't want to say anything to them because, my goodness, maybe they had cancer or maybe they had some kind of a serious problem. You didn't talk about your headache to them. That's why we need to fellowship with the God of heaven and recognize what Jesus did for us on Calvary and the unjust suffering that he bore, not for the sins of wicked men of others, but for us, me included in that crowd. Oh, he forgave me on the cross of Calvary, and he tells me you're to forgive others. Number three, think of the, think of the gain. Think of the gain to simply forgive. You see, when we hold these feelings, when we hold these grudges, when we hold that lack of forgiveness, we hold that. It's material from which bitterness is made. It's material for which anger is made. It's a material for which the hatred is made. We give up that material for the freedom from bitterness, from anger, from hatred. And what's sad is when you're angry at someone, you'll always poison, you'll always hurt somebody that you love rather than the one that you're angry at. Esau gave it all up. The prodigal's brother kept it inside. He couldn't enjoy the party. Let me ask you something. You enjoying life? Are you enjoying life? You, you can't enjoy life. You can't enjoy the Christian life if you live your life angry at everyone. We can never heal from a wound of wrong until we forgive. I've seen the working of gangrene in a person's foot. I've seen folks go through surgeries. They try to get rid of the infection, to get rid of the disease, but they cannot, and so they have to amputate. While it's difficult maybe to lose a toe or to lose a foot, it's better to lose a foot than it is to lose your life. May I say tonight, don't harbor anger anger and hatred and bitterness. That is a bacteria. It's a sin that needs to be washed away by just giving, giving forgiveness as Christ forgave. You say, I can't do it. God never told us we could do anything that we can't do. If God said I can do it, then I'm going to do it. Even though my feelings may not agree, even though my sinful uh, uh, flesh does not agree, I can do what God says to do. I don't want to carry a grudge against others. I say number four, just decide to obey the Bible command. That's how you got saved. You got saved by just trusting Christ as Savior. You see, God said that you're a sinner and God said he paid for your sin debt, but God said you have to accept my payment for your sin. And if you'll accept my payment for your sin, you can have salvation. And so I did that. God said I'm to have forbearance and I'm to forgive. If God said I can forgive, then I can forgive by the grace of God as God said to do. And I'd simply need to obey what the Bible says. I want to say number five, pray for the one that has hurt you. 
That's what the scripture says. Pray for the one that's hurt you. And number six, learn to develop the spirit of forgiveness. That's what Colossians 3 is about. It's about living a life that's holy. It's about living a life that's clean before God. Forbearance is a spirit. It's not a, a, not a daily decision as who I'm going to be forbearing with. It's just a decision to say, I'm going to need forbearance in my life this week. I'm going to need forgiveness in my life this week. And make the decision to have the spirit, to have the spirit of forgiveness. I close with this statement. Forgiveness of others is one of the greatest acts of trust in God that we can show in this life. Forgiveness of others is one of the greatest acts of trust in God that we can show in this life. You remember when you were a child fighting with a brother or sister, enjoying life. And you couldn't get even, so you said, I'm telling mom. I'm telling mom. And you let mom take care of it. Forgiveness is, I'm telling God. I'm, go I'm just going to tell God. You can just forget it. I'm going to tell God and go to God and say, God, I come to you asking for the grace and strength. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to let you take care of that. I'm going to go on in joy in life. Stand with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight with this spirit of forbearance, this spirit of forgiveness. Lord, this old flesh is weak. We get angry quickly. Help us, Lord, to be forbearing and even forgiving so that we can enjoy the Christian life that you have for us.